You are now listening to the Cinnamon and Sugar Podcast featuring D'Angelo Williams and Gary Barnage. You push play and they'll push the limits. It's your boy D'Angelo here. We're, nope, 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 it's not. It's your boy Cinnamon here and Sugar here. No time. No, no, is it? Hmm. What's the what's the right intro, Gary? I don't. Um, no, that's right. There's no time. Time's never here. That's I, correct. I'm struggling. I, I'm struggling, Gary. <laughs> not not as bad as your voice, though. My what voice is, going, is terrible. What is going on with your All voice, right. Gary? Let's give everybody an update. Um, I'm gonna give you a little words of wisdom. Uh, this is not a sick voice. This is not like a voice where I lost it because of yelling and stuff like that. This is a stupid reason why I don't, my voice is not here right now. So let me give you all little words of wisdom so this never happens to you. So I was at the dentist, and I had to sneeze. Well, I don't want to sneeze around people, so I'm covering my mouth. So I cover, I held my nose and kept my mouth closed. And when I sneezed, I felt something in my throat, like pop. Uh, and ever since then... Uh, the first day, it was hard to swallow, and then and then now my voice is the way it is right now. So I'm very hoarse when I'm talking, so I've been drinking a lot of hot teas and all that kind of stuff to try and get my voice back. Um, so words of wisdom, don't ever hold your nose and keep your mouth uh, closed when you sneeze. Let it breathe. Let it, let it go free. If it goes over people's faces, so be it, because you don't want to go through what I'm going through right now. Trust me. So let me get this straight. You took, excuse me, you took in consideration everybody else's health and what they thought. Now screw those people. How they view you in terms of how you live your life and you screwed yourself. Yep. And now I no longer will do that. <laughs> Welcome to the real world, Gary. Welcome to the real world. Uh, so now that we got that that horrible voice out of the way. Oh, it's not going to be out of the way. You're going to hear it the whole time. Well, well, we got to talk about this, Gary. Okay. Oh, about time not showing up? No, 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 no. Oh, no, okay. No, no. I, got, I got one better for you because you can okay. help me with this one. I'm the Baltimore Ravens, Gary, and I go up. Trash. 31 to a billion to, to one. And and I've never I, I don't I don't think I've ever been on that side. I mean, obviously this is not the Super Bowl. This is not a twenty-eight to three uh lead in the Super Bowl and I'm the Atlanta Falcons and I'm playing against the New England Patriots. This is not what we're talking about. We're talking about a Lamar led Baltimore Ravens playing against the Deshaun Watson led Cleveland Browns. Baltimore goes up, Gary. 31 to what? 7, 31, 10, or 14, or whatever. This game's over. In all NFL games, this game's over. I turn the channel, Gary, because I'm like, damn, Baltimore's beating the hell out of Cleveland. Like that's that's Cleveland going Cleveland. This this is this is that Cleveland Brown team of old. Turn it off. Go to another game. I come back, Gary. What in the absolute hell happened to Baltimore? Did did, nah, did it, can you so help me out? Like basically, what I think happened is the whole team got lax. 
Like, oh, we're going to dominate. We're going to win. This is nothing. If you notice, the play calls got simpler. They were content just punting the ball back. They didn't try and really move the ball and do all that kind of stuff that they were doing earlier. And then they just didn't try to do much. Like, they got very content on defense. They didn't really try to wrap up as much. They let more broken tackles. Like, they just got very content. And that's what happens. If you do that and you keep a team around, you're going to lose a game. And I think that's what you saw. You saw Baltimore. They're used to getting big up big leads and, and keeping on and winning. And they got up and they like, oh, yeah, well, we're going to cruise to victory. And they just keep letting Cleveland stick around. And you know, every team knows if you let a team stick around long enough, it's going to bite you in the butt. And that's what it did. But that's what's crazy, though, Gary. Like when you look at this 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 game and you look at these numbers, obviously you said when you let them teams stick around, they were never sticking around, Gary. It was out of control early. It was over. No, but then but they didn't put their foot on their throat. No, they didn't. They just they let off the gas and then just let you get you had Cleveland get a touchdown here, get a field goal here, get closer and closer, and then now they start getting the momentum because now you just keep punting the ball. You keep punting the ball. You're not moving the ball down on offense. Well, now they're getting momentum now. Now they're getting juiced because oh well, now we got a chance. We're coming back. They're 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 getting flat. And I think that's what you saw. You saw Baltimore took their foot off the throat and Cleveland came back and won. Can't so, do that. Put them away. So, so with that being said, do you think that that's going to be the Achilles heel of the Baltimore Ravens this year? I mean, it has been for some time. I think that's been the lock, the knock on Lamar Jackson is, is that whenever your defense doesn't show up, you don't have what it takes to close out games and win those games. So you think that's going to be the – more Lamar on the whole, whole team, though, because if he, he can only call certain plays. He can only run the plays that are called. And they were calling very generic, just simple run plays. They weren't doing anything with a sense of urgency to try to score. And that's also on the play calling. People scared to call plays and make mistakes. Yes, Lamar had interceptions that were god-awful interceptions. That shouldn't have been an interception. Shouldn't even been a thought. It was terrible turnover. But as an offensive coordinator, you're also being very lax and calling safe plays because you're afraid of losing the game. And again, it's the same thing I said last week with Tampa Bay sitting in safe defense and you lose a game. You deserve to. If you do the same thing on offense and you lose because you can't put points up and you're not trying, trying like you used, like you were in the first half, then you deserve to lose. Like, and that's the thing. It's just, Teams, you can't do that. That's what makes a definite difference between a good team and a, I mean, amazing team and a good team or a great team and a good team. Great teams put their foot on the throat. A good team's not. A good team lets you back in and then they're going to lose a game like that. But a great team, you don't have a chance. Yeah, it was, uh, it was very interesting to watch, Gary. But I want to shift gears to, that was one of the craziest games. But I... <laughs> <clears throat> I've been trying to figure this one out, Gary. And I know that that I, I'm not really sure when we were playing what the criteria was for a Monday night game. They, they look at the schedules and they try to predict which teams are going to be really good and which teams are going to be fascinating for people to watch. What do you think they're looking at when they see the Jets and 
Las Vegas Raiders. Like, how the hell did that make a Monday night game, Gary? I'm talking about, you talking about you total Sunday snooze night? fest. How the hell do you get a Monday night game? Gary? You mean Sunday night? So I mean a Sunday night game. How Monday do you get a Sunday night, night game? Yeah, terrible scheduling. Well, granted, when they scheduled this, they expected the Raiders to be better with Jimmy Garoppolo led, and they expected Aaron Rodgers to be playing. Now, how did it not get flexed out? Blows my mind. That game 100% should have been flexed to an earlier game and put a different game in that place because you don't have Aaron Rodgers. You, have to, you don't have Jimmy Garoppolo anymore. They fired their coach. There's so many things. This game's trash. And the fact that that's your product. Gary, I'm, I don't – it is a total – it was absolutely awful. There was no offense. Everybody, It was just lackluster. I, I just didn't – I didn't understand how I was able to watch that Sunday night, and 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 I'm thinking all these teams out there, all the the the. I mean, you could have gave us the. I mean, granted, nobody knew that the Browns Baltimore Ravens game was going to be that well, crazy. Oh, you have a, a seven and two and a five and three team. Yeah, like, but I, I just I don't. You could have put that in there instead of the other two. Yeah, we could have we could have sent uh, the Jets and the Raiders to Frankfurt. And you could have gave us Coast New England, but that wasn't any better. No, that was trash like, too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I I don't understand, like, uh, which brought me to this question, Gary. Which brought me to this question about football and and how we watch football. Which one would you rather see out there? For everybody watching the podcast or listening to it, what would you rather see? Would you rather see a high-scoring football game, Gary? Is that what's entertaining to you? Or would you rather see a 6-9, uh, 12-9 football game? Like, what what do you see in the game that you where you, you look at the scores and it's like, oh, that was a good game? Or do you look at it from a stats perspective? What makes you, when you look at a score box or when you look at a game, see, what, what's fascinating to you about the football I, game that makes I it think good? It's, I think it's more of the stats. I don't think it's the score. Because I don't care if the game's nine to six, but if both teams had 350 yards of offense and they're moving the ball up and down the field and then they just can't score and it's all field goals, that's different. Because now you have an entertaining game, you're just not getting the points. Because the, at the in, the in the red zone, the defense step up, but you're seeing them getting big plays. They may get a 60 yard catch, but they're not able to put it in the end zone because that's still an entertaining game. I think it's a combination of the stats that are put up. If both offenses are putting up a good offense and then your defense is stopping them in the red zone, that makes for an amazing game because you're seeing the best of both worlds. If you're just seeing a 45 to 41 game, you're like, well, defense sucks. That was, that was a terrible game. They just, yeah. they couldn't stop a soul. If you see a six and nothing and neither team can get past the 50 yard line, you're like, well, that was a terrible game. The offenses suck. I think yeah. it's in between now, is what you want to see. But here's the thing, though, Gary. I've never seen a game where it's high scoring and it sucked. That's the thing. Like, I, I, I've i seen more 6, 9, 9, 12. Well, because it's hard they, for defenses to hold up that, that offense. Defenses, it's, you're going to make a mistake. Things happen. Like, they're going to they're gonna scheme something, and it's hard to stop them every time. That's why it's tough to have high explosive offensive games, games and then not score a lot. 
Yeah, because that that uh, that Jets Raiders game and that damn Colts Patriots game, it was not a lot of scoring. In fact, I think it was only only one score among the. Uh, we also got to think all three of those team, three of those four teams are playing with a backup quarterback, and the fourth was playing with the guy who's going to be a backup next week. So, so and, but, but and, here's the thing, though, Gary, that ain't. What what does that have to do with me? I, I'm going to tell you. Oh something. no, I'm yeah. saying that's no, what no, I'm no, saying. No, the no, issue. no, 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 no. You brought I don't it care. up. You, no, 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 no. You brought it up, and we're going to dive right into it. And I was trying not to get into this, but you just bothered me with that com- that comment you just said. The Minnesota Vikings are not having any problems at all with backup quarterbacks. They're on their third one, Gary. They have a guy that they had there for a week and a half already, and he's two and zero in starts or one and zero, two and zero in the last two games that they played in. But as a start, he's one and zero as a starter in that Minnesota Vikings offense. So what I'm saying is is that you're telling me that the front office of these teams are not doing a really good job on their roster in terms of who they have filling in those impact spots is what you're telling me. Because I'm expecting a backup quarterback to step in and do a Joshua Dobbs impression. That's what I'm expecting from the National Football League. So if you're a good team, Gary, it doesn't matter who the hell your quarterback is because you have designed your team around your starters, and if your starter does go down, you have somebody that's uh, efficient enough to come in and continue to run that offense, and that's what I've seen in Joshua Dobbs. So if you can't give me Joshua Dobbs every time you come in as a backup quarterback, then what the hell are you doing, Gary? What are you doing? So I would put that blame on, yes, the coaches, because to me it goes to show the coaches don't have faith in their backup. Kevin O'Connell in Minnesota does not care. He's going to let Josh Dobbs do whatever. He was letting the other guy do whatever. But if you notice, when the Giants quarterback went down, Tyrod Taylor, they threw the ball four times with their third-string quarterback. They had no faith. So, yes, the coaches are in the wrong because they're not getting those players ready. That's on them. Kevin O'Connell don't care. There's already rumors, oh, they're they're giving up the season. He has nothing to lose. Okay, Josh Jobs, I'm going to let you do any and everything. And that's what's happening. And it's working. But you see, Robert Sala, he's afraid to use Zach Wilson. Or Zach Wilson doesn't have that factor you need to throw the ball. So they're not putting faith in him. They don't have faith that he can throw the ball and do stuff. Same with the Giants. They don't have faith that their backup can do anything. That's why Saquon's getting ran into the ground. You had the Bears, who don't have faith in their backup guy. Now, granted, they don't have faith in their starter either, but <laughs> it's that's just how it is. Like, and you see, uh, Las Vegas—they've had three different quarterbacks. They haven't had faith in any of them. So, like, and I think I think Indianapolis somewhat has faith in Gardner Minshew, but they're trying to work Jonathan Taylor back in so it gets Gardner Minshew out of the. The rhythm, because he's trying to. He's a. He wants to be passing all the time. He's a pass-heavy college guy, pass-heavy when he was in uh, Jacksonville starting for a while, and then they're trying to work Jonathan Taylor back in, who's the playmaker of their team. So it messes up that. So I think a lot of it is the willingness of the coaches to give those reins the backup to produce because they're afraid of losing because of it. Like Robert Sala and the Jets, he knows his defense is really good, so he's like, we just need to do mediocre in offense, our defense can win us the game. And he's it's proven to work. So that's why he's not giving any reins to Zach Wilson to do things. And I think Kevin O'Connell's like, our defense ain't going to do it that much. 
Josh Dobbs, you can come in and do whatever you want. We're going to throw the ball. Even when uh, Kirk Cousins went down and the other guy was there, they were still throwing the ball. They didn't care. And I think that's the difference you're seeing with the Vikings and having success with their backup quarterback versus other teams not having success with their backups because Kevin O'Connell's willing to let the backup run the offense. They're Our not doing playbook. that with these other guys. Whole playbook. Whole playbook, Gary. And yeah, they're letting them, yeah. Yeah. And, and the thing, uh, he's doing this without Justin Jefferson, who yeah. may be back next week. Like, yeah. you're going to see Minnesota might sneak into this playoffs and they could be nah, turned dangerous. You nah, never know. Nah, whoa, Ty. Whoa, whoa. I knew you was going to get into that. I knew you was going to say something like that. This team has no chance of making the playoffs, Gary. I'll, I'll take no, that. I'll take that bet. I, it, they have no chance of making the playoffs, and here's why, Gary. Five dollars. Right now. Hold on. Five dollars. No, no, I'll no, take no. them we'll, and make we'll, it. You take we'll, them not. We'll make talk. It. We'll talk about it. <laughs> we'll talk about it. <laughs> we already got two other five dollar bets. There. No, no, no. We'll we'll talk about it after. The reason why I said they have no chance of making it is because right now the NFL does not know what Joshua Dobbs is gonna do uh, in this offense. Like, what's your role in this offense, and how are you gonna play that role? I think that's where the NFL is trying to figure out, like. How do we stop this? And once they stop it, Gary, I don't think they're going to have a problem with it. And it's not going to take much time because the last two teams that he's beat is not teams that uh, are world beaters. They're not well, playoff caliber teams. If one of them's going to win the NFC South. And the Saints. Gary, Just are saying. You are you serious right now? Who do you have winning the NFC South? Gary. The Panthers? Wins, Gary, whoever wins the NFC South. No, they're definitely not the Panthers. Whoever wins the NFC South is not going to go far in the playoffs. Oh, I agree. I'm just saying that they're going to be, be – they they just beat a team that's probably going to win their division, though. Yeah, that division's terrible. It's the worst division in football, but – Yeah, so, so where do you – so where do you put – so you said the Minnesota Vikings has an opportunity to sneak into the playoffs. Yes, as a wild card. With Joshua Dobbs at quarterback. Because if your other quarterback yeah. comes, if he's healthy. Oh, he's not coming he, back. He's not He's, he's not Aaron Rodgers. He can't come back like that. Even if he does come back. Like like if it was a, uh, like a little small injury and Joshua Dobbs is playing the way that he play, he's playing right now. Kirk Cousins and that is your quarterback, starter. You got to bring him back and start him? If he wasn't, if it wasn't like a season ending, yeah. Even with Joshua Dobbs playing the way that he's playing? Yeah, I don't think Joshua Dobbs is a legit starting quarterback. I think he's a, an amazing backup quarterback. He's a guy that you can trust to step in and win games as a backup, but I don't think he's a guy that can lead the team and Gary, win games for a whole season. Gary, just two weeks ago, we didn't even say this guy's name. He won, two, he he beat Dallas. Two two weeks, Gary. Two weeks ago, he beat we wouldn't Dallas. even be having this conversation. He Gary. beat Dallas. Who looks better than San Fran right now? No, no. <laughs> I knew that'd get you a little no. live. No, that's that's not it. You can't that's... you can't use a gauge of the Dallas game because the Giants are just terrible team. Yes, they are a bad team. We can have no quarterback, and everything's got to run through Saquon. You can't do that and expect to win games like that. And they're just a bad team. So I don't give any props to the way they won, but they Giants are bad. Yeah, they they are bad. I, I'm a, I'm gonna give them their props, man, because they did what a lot of teams couldn't do, and that's normally when teams like 
that have winning records play really bad teams in the National Football League, uh, it's a close game. So the fact that the Cowboys came out and played the way that they played and, the, and won in the fashion that they won in, kudos to them because the Dallas Cowboys do not play well against bad teams, Gary. You know this. We know this. Uh, they also don't play well against good teams. <laughs> we know this is evident because of the, you know, if they you look at their playoff record in the last, you know, four or five years, my Niners have put them out the playoffs in the last three straight. But, you know, who's counting? Um, but they did. They, they played a, a really nice game against a team that they should have beat uh, because I think going into it, they was a 17 and a half point favorite. Uh, they covered that spread and more. It's it's the games where really good teams go in and they play really bad teams close that I have a problem with trying to see like is this a good team? Like well, is you can say team? Arizona for example when they played Arizona they got beat by the team that right everybody says the worst team in in the league and they got beat right Are we and and you know that same Cardinals team played against the 49ers and the 49ers beat them. However, on the last three weeks up until this week, last weekend, you know, we were on a three-game losing streak, and I say we as in the 49ers, bang, bang, Niner gang. Um, <laughs> we we were on a three-game losing streak, and then we end up, you know, winning against, uh, which a lot of people think that that's going to come out of that, a- was the AFC South? Is that is that where the Jaguars is? Yep. Yeah, they may come out of that division as the the division leader is what you said, wasn't it, Gary? Correct. And you know, was that was that not a significant win then in the category of wins? No, I agree. I think it's a huge win. I think it shows how much better uh San Fran is than Jacksonville. Jacksonville's still gonna win their division, but they are not the team people thought they were. I think that just shows like like we said last week, when you see a team that plays a really good team and you just get manhandled like that, it puts you puts you in a perspective that maybe that team's not as good as you thought. Okay. All right. So just real quick, Gary, just real quick, because are the Cincinnati Bengals? Remember, I have been finishing second in the division for $5. Yes. And you got the Baltimore Ravens winning that division. Correct. Do you still feel the same way? Still do. That's the question. You don't think the Baltimore Ravens, uh, they haven't showed you enough to upseat the Baltimore Uh, Ravens? No. I think Baltimore will still, they'll beat Pittsburgh. I think they'll beat Cleveland the second time. And I think the Cincy game is always up in the air. But I think they'll, I think Baltimore, I don't know if they've already played Pittsburgh or not. If they haven't, they'll win both games against Pittsburgh, and I think they'll win the other game against Cleveland. I don't think okay. they take their foot off the gas next time if it happens against Cleveland. And they may have already played okay. Cleveland. I don't know. I don't know their schedule. Okay, so I I was trying to – I wasn't going to talk about it, but I'm going to talk about it anyway because I'm going to ask you, Gary, and then I'll give you my thoughts. So I'm scrolling through social media. And uh, as I'm scrolling through social media, the question was brought up by a lot. They, they've been asked. They, they've asked a lot of people about the devaluation of the running back position. Did you hear Marshall's Falk answer? Gary? I did not. 
So they asked Marshall Falk, what did he think about the devaluation of the position? And I'm I'm trying not to laugh because uh, I, I find it funny. I'm not going to tell you if I agree with it or disagree with it. But he said his reasoning for the devaluation of the position is because the running back himself has devalued the position because that's one of the very few positions on the field, Gary, that sub in and out on a regular basis. He said when Marshall Falk said when I played, the second guy in, he was he was truly a backup. He was more so like a backup quarterback. He'll play sparingly. He'll come in like he said now you look up, guys get tired, they call that second guy in, that second guy come in and they play. He said as a result, as a result of that running back coming out, it has devalued the position. Do you agree, Gary, with him, his assessment? Because it's, it's, it's interesting. It, it really is. He said it's, it's one of the very few positions where the running back get tired after three or four plays, another running back come in. He said in his day and time, he didn't come out. So Marshall Park didn't come out. So he I'm going to say back. yes and no. So the reason okay. why I'll say yes, it makes sense, because you're giving that backup an opportunity to show what he can do. And if he comes in and breaks some long runs and big plays, they're like, well, we need to give him the ball more. Well, now there goes your some of your carries because they got to give him the ball because right. you gave him that opportunity. Because you And I would say no in the other aspect because receivers do it all the time. Receivers come out that they run a go route, and then they don't get devalued. So I can see it both ways, but it, as a running back, Receiver, you have to get the ball thrown to you. So, like, you can be give a spell, and the QB doesn't even look your way because they know that our guy's getting a rest. So they can look anywhere else. Running back, if the ball is being called to hand off, and you come out and they give it to the backup, well, they're giving that ball to that guy anyways. So there's no avoiding that aspect. So if he makes plays, it hurts your case. Right. And that, I think so I can see how it can devalue it. Do I think it should? No, but you're given the opportunity for your backup to come in and make plays, which could in turn devalue your position on the team because, hey, this guy can do the same thing he's doing because maybe our whole line's really good and it didn't matter who was back there. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it does matter. Maybe if you take out the starter and you put the backup in and he's terrible, but you don't know until he gets that opportunity. If he never comes on the field, they'll never know. In game time situation, they'll never, like Marshall Falk said, he doesn't come off the field. They're never going to know how good the backup is. As long as Marshall Falk's producing on the field, it doesn't matter what he does, what the backup's doing, because he's never going to show it. Now, but again, like I was saying, the opposite is on receiver. Receiver comes out after it runs four goes and nothing happens. People don't, now as a chance, that player can make plays, but there's three positions three or four other players that play receiver, those other players can get their the value. The starter, the main guy, is not going to get devalued. Maybe the third guy will <clears throat> because the starter took a rest. Running back, you're the main guy. So I can see how it is position-specific, specific, just like quarterback. Your quarterback ain't going to come out because he's tired because they don't run. So right. that's never going to happen. Tight end, I can see it happen a little bit with tight ends, but there's multiple tight ends. So it's yeah. different that are in the game. So both running backs, the only position on offense that, hey, this guy will 
he is the guy. He's going to be getting the ball and all that kind of stuff. If he comes out, that's replacing you. You're replacing yourself. He cannot replace somebody else because you're the guy. Receiver comes out, he can replace the third receiver. He's not going to replace the one guy. Running back, you're the one. You're the only guy that can be replaced. Tight end, there's two or three of them. So one of those guys can get replaced for more playing time for the guy that shows out. Running back, if you want more showing, more playing time, only guy that can concede touches is that starter. So I can see it to a point how that can make sense. But should it? No, I don't think it should. But also teams are afraid of, like you said multiple times in the past, is they just run guys to the, to the ground and then let them walk, and they'll just go with somebody else. Don't matter. Yeah. I think that's more of what's devaluing the position than coming out because you're tired. I think it's more of that whole – and I'm going to say it probably started with the, with the double trouble. <laughs> Both guys being successful <sighs> – <laughs> that didn't help the cause for the running back. Hey, we could have a two back system and both guys are super successful. And we had the first rushing duo in history to rush for 1100 yards in a season that didn't help the running back position one bit. <laughs> well, here's the thing though. They, bo- they paid us both though, Gary, that no, was I back- agree. But, uh, but back then, yes, but now yeah. they can be, Hey, we'll just have a young guy do it. We can pay him less and not pay the other guy. Yeah. Back then you had to pay the guy. See, and, and and that's what that's what I've been tussling with with this whole like with my 49ers. And I don't know if you know this, but Christian McCaffrey has a streak going on right now of Not where anymore. he scored. Huh? Not anymore. Right. Well, he had a streak going for 16, 17, 17 games straight games. Of of having a touchdown. First of all, that's a remarkable feat uh by anybody. But the fact that it's a running back in San Francisco makes it that much sweeter. But with that being said, I, I'm thinking like this, Gary. Even if you banged up, even if you kind of sore and you got a streak like that going, do when you're tired or like how running back is one of those positions, man, where I don't think you can play every down. Very similar to wide receiver because there's so much asked of you. Now, when he says, you know, and I get what he's saying in terms of, Coming in and out like it's it's at length. We we probably started it, Gary, um, and that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing at all because Cleveland did a really good job with Hunt and Chubbs over there in Cleveland, and they probably can use Hunt right now uh, when he was in prime form um, in terms of Chubbs being hurt. But I just I it's tough listening to him say that because he's a running back. And I tried to separate myself, Gary, like, hey, you know, I because I, I got that mentality, you know, when you're running back, you got to stick with us no matter what, whether we're wrong, whether we're right. If you're running back, you err on the side of being a running back. Damn what's right or wrong. Right. So so with that being said, if you're good, whether you're C.D. Lamb, uh, whether you're um, um, uh, Debo Samuels, whether you're, your impact to the game is what you should get be paid uh, for. And that's what I love about Le'Veon Bell. When Le'Veon Bell came out and he had those contract issues, he said, I don't want to be paid as a running back. I don't want to be paid as a receiver. I want to be paid as an impact player, Gary. An impact player, $17.5 million a year. And that's when people was like, you done lost your damn mind. You're a running back. You were running back trying to get that kind of money. 
that's where we went wrong at Gary when Le'Veon came out and he said what he said. But at the same time, Debo Samuels got paid because Debo Samuels is a wide receiver. Playing running back. Yes, not a running back playing wide receiver. That's what's wild and fascinating to me because even looking at Christian McCaffrey and what he's accomplished and the things that he's done, he's getting paid not like a running back, Gary. Well, granted, Christian McCaffrey does both. He's like Marshall Falk in that aspect. So, like, but again, Le'Veon did the same thing. He played both. He caught the ball a lot, too. So, I think Christian McCaffrey was the first one to set that boundary of a guy who does both and get paid for both. Le'Veon tried, and they just said, no, nah, we're good. And McCaffrey was the one who actually got it. That's what Saquon's trying to get that, too, because he catches the ball a ton, too, and he runs the ball. But... Giants aren't paying them, and you see that now. They're just trying to run him into the ground. They don't care. Yes. They just want them. They'll let him go to free agency. They don't care. Yeah, I, and I think that that's awful. But I think all teams in the National Football League are like that. Um, all businesses, if you look at well, them, I think fans aspect. don't understand. The teams don't care about the players. Hell they're no. just going to do what they can to get out of the players. Some guys are going to get paid handsomely. Other guys are just going to run to the ground and let them walk. And they may be your favorite player. And you may not like that decision. Prime example, the Panther fans hated the Panthers getting rid of Steve Smith. They revolted, and Steve Smith take huge, huge personal vendetta against it. As you saw the first time Baltimore played Carolina, he had a ven- vengeance out for the, against them. Like there's and and all that he did in Carolina. That so that was a huge slap in the face. You could say D'Angelo the same thing. You and Stu, but they're like, oh, we're just going to go with the younger guy. We're going to let D walk, all that kind of stuff. Just things like that. It's like that happens all the time to players, people's favorite players. And fans just stick with the team, and then they start hating on the player because the player has hatred towards that team or the situation that happened that made no sense. Because the thing is, you and, you and Steve both went to another team and both produced and had good careers with the other teams. So it's not like you were washed like they teams thought. Yeah, I, yeah, it's uh, it's wild. But you know, when you hit a certain age, though, Gary, they think that you can't perform like you did when you were younger, and then they move on because. Great, um, that's a prime example of why I retired. Yeah, I now, Gary, did you retire? Was you did was you did you just you ain't have it no more? Now, be honest <laughs> yeah. now, be honest <laughs> now, Gary. Is it did is so, did, so did you see. retire? Or was you let's see. Two years before I retired, I was in the Pro Bowl, thousand yards of Steven, the with six different quarterbacks. Let's see, the next year, a new head coach who said that we were gonna do all these type of things for the tight end who didn't let me run routes, uh, compared to the year before, and still was a top ten tight end with eight quarterbacks. Um, and then I have teams telling me they're gonna give me a million dollars to play the next year when I was already guaranteed $800,000 to sit at home. I'm good. I don't need football. And that's when I was like, they they kept bringing up age, age, age. I did better than all these younger guys the last two years. So you can't bring up age. I was able to do it. But again, that's their leverage. I took that leverage away from them. I didn't need football. I could walk away. I was completely content with it, which is what I did. I said, you're going to give me this amount of money or I'm not playing. They don't want to pay it. I'm good. I wasn't going to, again, it didn't matter to me. I didn't need football. 
I enjoyed playing football and the games and stuff, but I didn't need it. And you don't need to, you're not going to lie to me and say, Oh, you're too old to pay blah, 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 blah. That stuff doesn't work for me. You don't have that kind of control. I don't really care enough to deal with that nonsense. So I'll just walk away. And that's basically what I did. I gave teams an opportunity. They didn't want to give me what I wanted. I'm good. And I walked away on my own accord. That's I could have played. I could have played for one million, one and a half million dollars. Nah, it's good. I sit at home for eight hundred thousand dollars. I'm good. Oh, uh-huh. so, so with that being said, and this will be my last conversation about football, Gary. <laughs> Where do you see the Detroit Lions finishing at? Like, I, I haven't. I, first of all, let me make sure I bring this. They're gonna up. win their division. Hold on, Gary, before you answer that, before you finish that, rather. They talk about the Detroit Lions, Gary. Like, this is the most I've heard about the Detroit Lions since Barry Sanders. Since Barry Sanders played, and they were only good because Barry Sanders played for them. It wasn't that they were good because they had a good team. They were good because Barry Sanders was on that team. Well, I I hadn't heard so much hype about a team like the Detroit Lions, not like individual players, Gary, but because of their coach. Their coach and the speeches that he gives, everybody's like, oh, man, this guy make me run through a damn wall. I'd love to play for him. He looked like he's so energetic and he's so exciting. Look, guys, nobody gives a damn about the rah-rah coaches in the National Football League. All they care about is winning. That's not why the Detroit Lions are winning. It has nothing to do with the coach and his speeches and his intensity. It has nothing to do at all because that does not call plays, that does not score touchdowns, and that does not stop offenses from scoring. My question to you, Gary, is are the Detroit Lions still the Detroit Lions or is this a team that we need to take serious? Well, well, they got blown out by Baltimore, so we know the big team. Okay. Um, Last week I said Detroit's going to win. You said Minnesota's sneak hanging around there. Today you're trying to say Minnesota's not going to make the playoffs. So you're flipping and flopping. I got you on that one. Uh, <laughs> but I think Detroit wins their division. I think they'll have a home playoff game, uh, and they will probably win their first game, and then they'll probably get beat their second game in the playoffs. That's what I think will happen. Now, it also depends on who they draw and all that kind of stuff. But I think they're a good team. I don't think they're a great team. Okay. I don't I don't think I don't think they beat Philly. I don't think they beat San Fran. And I think it's a toss-up if they can beat Dallas. Um I think those are the top three teams in that in the NFC right now. And then um I, they could get surprised. You never know. That's the thing. But I don't I don't know. I don't see them as a great team yet. I think they're a good team. But I will say the only positive of having a coach with good energy, I know players don't care. They're not hyped up about that. The only positive is player morale. Because if you have a coach that is not a coach that players are behind, the morale, they don't care to play for that coach. They don't care about that coach. If the coach lies and they catch him in lies and they do stupid things, he'll lose the team. That will happen. So, like, when you're positive, when a coach is positive and gives you energy, it's not going to make you win. That's not going to help you win. It just makes the players care more. Okay. Care more about the coaching situation. 
versus if you have a coach that's lying to everybody's faces and he gets caught, they're like, I don't care about, why do I care? I, I'll just take, take my checks. Cause now they don't really care about anything. Yeah. And <laughs> so see, I think that's the only difference. I think it, you have, it's a small morale as, aspect more than, it, Oh, we're going to win games because of the speeches that doesn't, like you said, that doesn't help you win games. And see, I brought that up for a reason, Gary. And ah, you got me so excited now because I can transition over. And you're gonna smile, but it's gonna you're gonna hate to have this conversation. The reason why I brought up the Detroit Lions and their coaching situation and their staff is because I want to switch gears because I want to go back to college. So we knew, we knew, and I and and I'm gonna say we knew this and. And you're gonna you're gonna understand what I mean by when I say we, but I still again believe in his coaching style and Deion Sanders. So they're coming out and they're saying that Deion Sanders is a fraud now. We knew going into this season that this was gonna be like a building process for him, but we also knew that it was a possibility for this season to also be special. So obviously he's lost a lot of games in a row because he's playing a lot of good teams in that Pac-12. Um, or is it the Pac-13 now? Is it what do they call it? They're going to be the Pac-2 in a minute, in a little in a year. So <laughs> yeah. Well, with that being said, um, is Deion Sanders a fraud, and how far off is Deion Sanders from being? Um, Nick Saban. Uh, no, I don't think he's a fraud. I think the media hyped him up more than what he was going to be this year because of the first game and all the hype surrounding him. I think the media pumped a lot of stuff into Dion and what he can do. He had D'Angelo hook, long, and sinker. I'm going to win $20 because he didn't win eight games. He's not going to win eight games. Uh, like I said, I knew that was all fake. That was not going to happen. Um, I think he is not a fraud. I think he's developing a very bad Colorado team. They won one game last year. He's improved. He's done a really good job of getting some athletes there and talent there. Now, granted, he's got some guys decommitting already that have committed. So that's not a good look, but it's still prime time. I do think he's he's doing things right there. I think he's gonna he's gonna win some another game this year, at least maybe one more only. Um but I think next year you might see him win six, seven games. And then I can see him, see him take a big leap after that. Again, it takes time to turn a whole program around. And it, Nick Saban didn't do it overnight. It takes time. So I don't think he's a fraud. I think the problem is people bought into the media hype that he's the savior of Colorado and everything he's going to do. And in the first game, they blow out this TCU team who's not the same TCU team that was last year, who lost almost every starter on their team last year that was in the national championship. They're not the same team. So they got super hype about that and blew it all up. And I think the ratings, I think the college football did the same thing. Oh, we're going to put him in the top 25. He's got two wins. They didn't earn a they didn't earn the top twenty five ranking after those two wins, uh, so I think the media built into it. But it that's what the media does. They hype people up, and now they're gonna live off that burning fire as well because it keeps more clicks, keeps people's eye on things. But he is not a fraud. I think Dion's doing things the right way. I think he's doing things good. It's just gonna take time. 
You're not going to go in and win your first season and just turn a whole program around. He brought in so many new players and coaches. It's a whole new system, a whole new thing. It's going to take time. Can't use and, that as an excuse, Gary. You cannot use that as an excuse. No, I, no, I, it no bothers coach me that. when you say all new players and 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 all this. This he, he, again, like you said multiple times, he t- this team won one game last year. They've already won yes. four. He's doing things the right way. He's not a fraud. So I'm saying I, it's going to take saying, time. I just think I, it's going to take time. I, I'm you, not saying that he's a fraud. I think it's going to take time too. You can't expect My, him to be first year come out with eight, ten wins. Like, I can like, though, Gary. Like the, you, can, you, can, you this, can, but it's, it, but you can't get upset when it doesn't happen because that doesn't Gary. happen. You you just you you have the portal at your expense. You literally can get any player out of the portal, Gary. Out of the portal, you can get any player. You have now created a draft-like scenario in college football every college offseason. So you're telling me, like, I, I, I feel like, honestly, Gary, nobody plays at a school for four years anymore. No. Nobody plays at a school for three or two years anymore. If they're if not starting, like they happening. move somewhere else, yes. Yes, right. So with that being said, in this current climate of college football, I am expecting for Deion Sanders to come in I am expecting him to win, and I'm expecting him to win now because every player that you brought to this institution or to this university is supposed to be a baller. They are, they are, um, they are taking football classes. They are playing football. They are. This is what I'm expecting from a Deion Sanders-led team. Because and he did. guess what? He ain't hard to find. He, he won four games. Fire. He's won four games so far. He ain't that's, hard to find. Three more than last year. Three, three more than last year. Okay, I. But that's not me having a winning season. I'm four no. and six right now. That's not. That's not me. Or three and I, six right now. I never thought he was gonna have a winning season. I said he wouldn't. <laughs> uh, right. I know you. Did, I knew it wasn't gonna not, happen. That's not what the university was expecting. We wasn't expecting to have a subpar season, Gary. But for, okay. for a minute there, the first so, two or three weeks of the season, Deion Sanders was talked about like he was the. He was bigger than Nick Saban, Gary. And you know this. And there's nobody bigger than Nick Saban because Nick Saban has won a lot of football games. He's won quite a few national championships. And he's considered um, outside of Bear Bryant as one of the best coaches to ever coach college football. That's where Deion Sanders was two or three weeks into the college football season. I will give you some prime examples because you were talking about – I'll give you a couple examples. So you were like, oh, you can go into the portal and get whoever you want. Yes. How'd that work for Jimbo Fisher? He just got fired from Texas A&M because he had some of the best players coming to Texas A&M, couldn't win games. <clears throat> Didn't matter. He wasn't doing something right because they couldn't win games. So, like, the portal, yes, you can get players, but it doesn't mean they're going to work in what you're doing. But you're not understanding what I'm saying, though, Gary. That's, you, I think you missed you miss my whole point. What I'm no, saying no, I, is I got is another that, one for you. I got another okay. point. So, another one. Close to your home. Mike Norvell. Yes. Leads Memphis, dominates at Memphis, takes a job, leaves Memphis hanging dry, goes, takes Florida State. First two years, trash. Yes. Terrible. Now he's number yes. four in the nation. Because but now you got to understand, though, you, here, here's the difference. Here's the difference in that. They expected the big things at Florida State, too. Here's, here's <laughs> the difference in that, though. Here's the difference in that. Mike Norvell was terrible because the portal wasn't at his, his – he didn't have the portal like Deion Sanders has. Deion, oh, Deion Sanders only has his name. It. He doesn't huh? have he doesn't have proven success at Division One. All he has is his name. Right, but just just hear me out here. Hear me out now. 
Coach Norville was is one of those coaches, Gary, that I knew when he went to Florida State, it was going to take him some time, not because he wasn't a good coach and that he didn't have the players. What Norvell didn't have is he didn't have the players and that team or that offense or that defense to run his style of football. So it took him two years to get that turnover because he didn't go in and do what most coaches do. And I'm saying most coaches, as in Deion Sanders, and fire the whole team and bring a whole nother team with him. Correct. So Mike Norvell worked with what he had. So that's why it took him two years. That's the difference between him and the difference between Deion Sanders. So, yes, I am expecting something different from Deion Sanders because his whole motto and the whole thing is based off of I'm not hard to find. And I can get any player out of the portal that I want, Gary. Nobody's competing with me because I'm Deion Sanders. So if I want you, I'm going to get you. So what, what's the problem? Like now it's yes down to yes and no. you get any player. Yes and no because he's losing people. Play, big players are decommitting from Colorado. He just lost a four-star receiver, decommitted. And the thing is, again, I think a lot of it's media hype. Remember, media hyped up all these players that were coming to Colorado with him. And his son, Heisman Trophy candidate, he's an amazing quarterback. He's looked terrible the last five year, weeks. He's looked bad. Like, he's not been a great quarterback. And everybody, oh, he's a top prospect. No, he's not. If he didn't have Shadur, if his name last name wasn't Sanders, they would not say he's a top prospect right now. Like, that's the problem. Everything is bought in by the media. If, you, if his name was, was, his last name was Anderson, Shadur Anderson. He's not He's not a Heisman candidate. He's not a talked-about first-round pick. But because his name is Deion's son, he is. His, his, his game hasn't shown that. And so I think, you, don't think he, you don't think he's an NFL draft pick? No. He, well, he shouldn't be right now. Not, not a first-round pick, no. He hasn't shown that. Okay. That's the thing. Is like, and that's the thing. It's, it's, his name hypes up a lot. And he had a, the first few weeks he played well. What has he done the last five? His numbers have been bad. Yeah. Like, and that's the thing. And then like people will give, oh, he didn't have Travis Hunter. If you're a good quarterback, you don't need him. Well, now hold up now, Gary. Hold up now. Hold up. Now we Travis Hunter's not even their best receiver. He's we, their best we talk, corner. We okay. We talking about we talking about like, now. I, I I'm glad that you said this. Hold on, I got one more example for you though. Another okay. one. Everybody thought Steve Spurrier, when he went to South Carolina after the success he had in Florida, he was gonna just South Carolina was gonna be amazing. Took him like five years to get South Carolina just decent. They were never good again. Gary, you're just talking decent. about you, you. You're not giving me. You're not giving me what I want right now, Gary, because they didn't have the transfer portal. No, that's I what, agree. That's not what you're well, understanding. Norvell did. A different level of Jimbo and Norvell football. did. Huh? Jimbo Fisher and Norvell did. Yeah, and Norvell is not the. He doesn't build through the portal. He builds through scholarships. No, I'm just saying, but he and did. And this is not his thing. Yeah. Jimbo Fisher that, bought players, and they couldn't win. Okay, so 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 back to Shadur Sanders in yeah. in in Colorado, and and this is gonna be this gonna be probably a hot button topic. I don't care. We're gonna talk about it though. So I, I know it wasn't against Division One talent, but I'm pretty sure Shadur Sanders and Caleb Williams have the same um, uh, level of success. If you look at the years that they had the year before. Because Shador Sanders ripped up Jackson State in that league over there. Caleb Williams won the Heisman Trophy last year. So they both had Heisman Trophy, like had 
had Shadur Sanders had the same numbers at Jackson State that he had for Colorado this year, he would truly be a, 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 a Heisman candidate because or he'd won the Heisman. So I'm saying that you put their first years together, they're 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 mirrored. Caleb Williams is not having a good season this year. Uh, I'm not saying correct, but they're saying Sanders is a Heisman, and they're saying Caleb Williams isn't having a good, but they're having the same numbers. So it doesn't yeah. make sense. Yeah, but now you got to understand though, they're leading two different teams though. Like USC was supposed to be a team that's supposed to come in and was supposed to win football games. Well, Shadur Sanders has took over a team that was so, one and eleven. According to media, Colorado's supposed to be really good. <laughs> you got to remember the media is hyping it all up. No, we don't want to hear from time. You can't show up at the end of the podcast when you've been gone all the whole time. Unacceptable for this guy to not be here. <laughs> First of all, Gary, why is your voice all the way gone? Hold that was on. already explained. You missed that at the <laughs> beginning. If you'd have been here on time, you'd have found out. Wait, I am here on time. It's 10.15. Nope. Oh, Late shit. As always. Realize it's ten fifteen my time, not Eastern. I really was. I really was thinking I was getting here early. And the crazy thing is, this guy knows the same time we film every week is the same time, but he's always late. But it threw me off last because I was in North Carolina last week. Unacceptable. Wow. Well, I, I'm gonna head out, Dan. I'm. I feel bad. I'm just gonna do the walk of shame off the off to the All side. Right. Bye bye, Ty. Thanks for bye making an appearance. Bye <laughs> bye. I'm sorry y'all had to endure this podcast without time, but we'll be back this week. No, I'm I'll talk to y'all later. Unacceptable, this guy. Un- unbelievable. Go ahead, Gary. But no, I was. That's the thing. Is like I don't think I don't think Caleb Williams is. I mean, people have based it off his previous thing, and he's done great the last two years. <clears throat> he's not doing good this year. Uh, I'm not sold. He's a great prospect. I could be wrong. It's happened before. I've also been right before. I'm not sold. He's a, he's a franchise guy, but I don't think there really is a guy next year who is a franchise guy. I know a lot of people are high on Drake May too. I don't really know much about Drake May. And it's already been said that Sanders is not coming out this year. So we'll have one more year to see. I'm sure he'll be the Heisman front runner next year. For some reason, you tell me why. I don't know, <laughs> but he will be. So, right now to end this podcast, <laughs> and I know it's probably going to be tough, Gary, because I hadn't watched a lot of college football. But who would you say is the clear-cut Heisman Trophy candidate right now, and what position? Oh man, it's a tough one. Oh, I know it's a tough one because nobody's really nobody's having, standing out. Nobody's standing out. Nobody's took control of the season. Nobody said, "Hey, I, I'm the Heisman Trophy candidate." Like I'm putting up astronomical numbers. Well, like um, honestly, for, for for some time now, Gary, we've we've known going into well, the season, this deep into it, who's gonna win the Heisman? Well, I think, we have no idea mm-hmm. now. Well, I think earlier in the year I mentioned when we were talking about Shooter Sanders and he was having a good first two weeks and people were like, oh, front runner Heisman, all this kind of stuff. I all, I believe I mentioned this guy's name and they're still undefeated um, and he's having a tremendous year. I think Michael Penix Jr. for Washington is probably the front runner. 
Poor because Lee. they are undefeated. He's doing great. I'm sure Bo Nix is up there for Oregon because they're undefeated as well. I don't really know what his stats are. I know Washington likes to throw the ball a ton, so I know Penix has good stats, and I've seen them play a few games. I think Penix is probably the front runner. Um, I know it usually goes to a quarterback, so it's tough. I don't know about Michigan's team. I don't. Uh, I know their quarterback is, is a good guy, but I don't know how he's doing. And then I don't know about Ohio State. I know Her- Marvin Harrison Jr. I just think it's hard for a receiver to win it. <clears throat> LSU's quarterback. I don't. Last week put up a tremendous game, 600 total yards of offense through himself, 400 passing and 200 rushing. So I'm sure his name's going to get mentioned in the Heisman because he's having a good season, but the team's not doing great. So usually you got to have a great team game to to win it. And I don't think they're going to have the season that is going to warrant him being. I think it's going to be one of the top five or six teams, a player from that team will win the Heisman, whether it's the Michigan quarterback, Washington's, Oregon's, because one of those guys are going to be undefeated. One of those teams are probably going to be undefeated when that time comes. But right now I think the frontrunner is Michael Penix Jr., the lefty gunslinger out of uh, Washington. I can respect it. I uh, I don't I don't know, Gary. I I can't pick you to I also I, I also didn't miss Florida State again. I don't think he's Warren O Heisman, but their team's doing good. Quarterback usually gets it, so you could always throw yeah. out the Florida State's quarterback. Well, I can't tell you who the Heisman – I can't tell you who the Heisman Trophy candidate or the Heisman Trophy winner is going to be, but I can tell you who's going to be the coach of the year, Gary. It's not going to be Coach Prime. I'm telling you that the coach of the year is going to be the Texas head coach because he has endured a lot. He's gone through a lot. And I, I, I would have said Michigan, but Michigan's winning without their coach. There's, there's certain coaches that are winning. Texas wasn't expected to be where they are right now, Gary. They're, they're not. They're, they've continued to win. You you said this early on. You said this early on in the podcast, and the only reason why this is like days, like when we were talking about Shador Sanders in Colorado week two, and you was like, ah, Texas head coach, man, he, he's, he's doing some amazing things there. But you can't give it to the Washington uh, head coach because Washington, we knew going into the season that they were going to be No, good. we didn't we know, did know they were going to be Texas. great, though. Huh? We didn't know they were going to be a top five team. We we didn't know that, but we also didn't know anything about Texas in terms of them being where they are right now. I don't think there's another team out there, Gary, that has a better story than the Texas Longhorns. Uh, Mike Norvell. Nobody expected this in Florida State. I think in order for Mike Norvell, Gary, he has to go undefeated, and, and he, he does. has to go undefeated. You yeah. know how hard that's going to be in the AAC? and and ACC. You know who who they're looking right now. It's tracking to be the ACC championship game. Who? Louisville versus Florida State, number nine. Louisville, right now. Did you freeze up on me, Gear? No, I'm here. Can you hear me, babe? Oh, and the connection loss. Oh, we hear you. See, everybody. Are you this is serious? what happens. He can't hear, but I can oh. hear him. He can see me. Y'all can hear me. He can't. His internet's terrible. I wanted to know, but, Gary. I'm about to call him and tell him what I thought I he's gonna know. miss it, but it's all good. Everybody is can hear him. Clemson? I know y'all can hear him, but Who is it? that is all. He just doesn't want to hear about Louisville. I know that's easy to hear me. Yeah. All right. So uh, we are back from D'Angelo's technical difficulties. He's like, yeah. he had to use his phone. He had an internet issue. So we are gonna finish it right now. 
Um, for reference, what we were talking about is who is Florida State going to be playing in the ACC championship? Do you know? Uh, I'm saying Clemson. It is going to be number nine, the University of Louisville. <laughs> oh, man, it's going to be great, too. <laughs> are you are you going to that championship? Oh, it depends on where it's at and the, when it is. Uh, well, just to let you know, since we're talking college football. My is Memphis going to be in the championship for their division? We, we, we beat SMU this weekend. That's coming up. We will be in the championship. Okay. That's the that's the only thing. We we win, we're in. We lose, we're out. That's, okay. that's as simple as it gets. Uh, and we play Tulane in the championship. Who's ranked? Yes, yes, who's ranked. Uh, I don't know why we're not ranked because we're 8-2. and two. Uh, The two losses that we have is to Missouri and to Tulane. Okay. Those are our two losses. So I don't know why we're not You'll ranked. You'll probably be ranked this week, 25. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying. I, 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 they'll probably it's not nine, it. but I, I get it. I get <laughs> it. I, I, I understand where you are. Uh, I'm not going. I'm not going to argue with Gary. All I'm saying is that our level of success. Hey, I got a question though. Yeah. Um, could Jeff Brown be coach of the year? Louisville won what four games last year to come in. They're number nine in the nation. Lost one game with a new no. head coach. Why no. not? No, you got to give me you got to give me more than the ACC uh, championship. If he, win, if he wins the ACC championship, they're probably going to jump to six, five, maybe six. I I, I think you got to give me a little bit more than that, man. Oh, that's a one loss team, ACC champion, new coach in one year. But that's the same thing. He did with something Sanders. that he did something Dion couldn't do. Thank Just you guys it. for joining us <laughs> on the Cinnamon and the Sugar Podcast. Gary, I no <laughs> chose violence today. Thank you for joining us. We out!
You are now listening to the Cinnamon and Sugar Podcast featuring D'Angelo Williams and Gary Barnage. You are now listening to the Cinnamon and Sugar Podcast featuring D'Angelo Williams and Gary Barnage. You are now listening to the Cinnamon and Sugar Podcast featuring D'Angelo Williams and Gary Barnage. You are now listening to the Cinnamon and Sugar Podcast featuring D'Angelo Williams and Gary Barnage.